African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. On Channel Africa, thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Uh, remember, we are on uh, DSTV channel on uh, 802. Uh, that's on uh, the audio bouquet. And online, you can stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, on African Dialogue, where we look at the big conversations. All right, so we're actually looking at the scenes in Parliament right now. That's in South Africa's Parliament, as there's a swearing-in of members of parliament in the country and it's actually in line with the conversation of what we're going to be talking about today which are the expectations for Sir Ramaphosa and his leadership in this new turn of cabinet and uh, we'll see how this leadership does in the country. We know we come from a very very much challenged past in the country and Sir Ramaphosa is expected to be inaugurated this coming weekend as president of South Africa coming out of an election campaign during which uh, Ramaphosa made a multiple of promises to the electorate uh, from creating jobs to dealing with the land questions in the country. Much is expected from his presidency. At a recent press conference, his political op- opponent, Julius Malema, of the Economic Freedom Fighter, stated that Ramaphosa has a mixed bag of challenges within the party, the African National Congress, or ANC. Malema highlighted the main challenges of Ramaphosa being factual in the party, the land reform question and issues surrounding state capture. Uh, today, the country, as I mentioned uh, in the beginning of our program, we are seeing the swearing in of 400 members of parliament who are going to be sworn in or being sworn in rather by uh, Chief Justice Mukweng Mukweng. So a lot is happening on this particular day and already there's a lot of controversy around the issue of uh, the members of parliament uh, just uh, uh, just a few hours ago actually we just received a, a press statement from the African National Congress where it's highlighted that the statement of the president of the NC on the postponement of Deputy President Mabuza's swearing in into the National Assembly. Let me just read it for you uh, it states that the national officials of the African National Congress have received an agreement to a request by the NC Deputy President Comrade David Mabuza to postpone his swearing-in as a member of the National Assembly scheduled for the 22nd of May 2019. The Deputy President made a request in light of a report by the ANC Integrity Commission which he's alleged to have prejudiced the integrity of the ANC and brought the organization into dispute. The Deputy President has indicated he would like to have an opportunity to address the Integrity Commission on these allegations. In the meantime, he has decided nevertheless to follow the dictates of his conscience and postpone his swearing-in as a member of the National Assembly out of respect of the ANC's institutions and processes. Now, the statement continues to say that 
deputy believes, uh, the deputy president rather, believes that the ANC is a governing party that should advance the electoral mandate in an environment of public trust. The ANC commends the deputy president Mabuza for the stance he has taken. And they, and according to Cyril Ramaphosa, he applauds his resolve to put the interests of the ANC first. And it's said to be issued by the president of the African National Congress, Cyril Ramaphosa. So, hey, a lot is still happening and bubbling underneath that is actually showing the different dynamics in terms of what's happening within the African National Congress. So assist us on this particular topic. We have Sanusha, uh, Sanusha Naidu, who is a political analyst joining us at the Institute for Global Dialogue. We have also Dr. Kontrom Chali, who is joining us from the politics department at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Dr. Tabisi Huyana is also joining us once again from the politics department of the um, UNISA. Well, let me start with you, Sanusha. I've been reading this long um, statement that's been released under the name of President uh, Cyril Ramaphosa of the ANC. What are your thoughts around just this issue around the deputy president? It says a lot around what's happening right now within the ANC. Yeah, I mean, good after, good morning, Benjamin, and to my colleagues as well online. I think it's quite an interesting, I mean, it's an unpredictable setting that we're in right now. I think what it demonstrates is, you know, whether there's, a, uh, I mean, the way in which it has come out this morning, although rumors have been circulating about whether we'll see a different deputy president in the in, in terms of the Republic of, the, of South Africa, but at the same time, remember, the, the, uh, Mr. Mbubuza had played a critical role in Nazrek in the way that he turned around Nazrek for 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 the sort of camp in a sense, you know, the way in which he played the unity uh, vote mm. in that context. Now, coming out this morning and saying, uh, based on that statement. There's three ways you can interpret it. In one is that there's a serious, it's not just David Mabuza, there's also, I think, Nambula Makunyane, who's not going to be sworn in as well today. We can read other scenarios into that. But it says one thing for me. Uh, the first thing is the, the, the issue of consciousness and, and, and the level of, 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 of consciousness. So the statement is around, you know, I want to clear my name in terms of the Integrity Commission and the report that came out of the Integrity Commission. Secondly, is it possible that, 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 that Ramaphosa does have a kind of slow burn influence over these, over what's happening in terms of the mandate he needs, in terms of the influence of the cabinet he needs to appoint? Mm. And then, of course, the third thing for me is, is this a, a level in which the horse trading is taking place, uh, where there are certain compromises that are coming into the fold, but come 2022, we'll kind of see of all of this kind of come to the fore and a, and a greater level of, of, of rearguard action will start to emerge around different factions, power, dynamics, interests, and so forth. So for me, it's really interesting that we are sitting right now where we are, we are, we are in a context of unpredictability. Now, what does this mean as well in, the, in, in terms of what Mabuza, uh, the statement that came out regarding Deputy President Mabuza not being sworn in today, mm. also then makes sends a signal to the other names that are on that Integrity Commission report. Sure. Either, you, either you're sending, you're showing, you're, you're throwing down the gauntlet and you're saying, well, I'm taking a stand and I want to clear my name and I want to do this in the context of 
ethical morality processes and, 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 and abiding by the integrity commission and what it what it stands for. And so other people whose names are there, one of them being Gwedi Mantasha, is there a gauntlet being thrown down. Mm. So, you know, these, so, are, these are fascinating times in terms of what's happening within the party. Let me come to you, Dr. Mchali. What are your thoughts, as was alluded to uh, by Sanusha there, the fact that uh, we also will not see also others uh, within the African National Congress being sworn in. We know the former finance minister, Malusi Kikaba, and former National Assembly Speaker, Balega Mbete, also um, withdrew their names uh, uh, to be sworn in as members of parliament. What, what are your thoughts and how do you dissect the situation? Hi, uh, thank you very much and good morning to the listeners. Um, and what, I, what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing here is that, uh, you know, uh, I think there are pressures uh, uh, from outside the ANC, but there are also pressures within the ANC. I think uh, part of the laws uh, that they, uh, they suffered during the election had to do with their image as basically a party that is uh, corrupt. So what, uh, one thing that uh, is happening is that the ANC is trying to create a different image as a party that is that is uh, not corrupt and as a party that is also willing to address the concerns uh, uh, of corruption uh, when they are when they arise now another another thing that comes out is that it also uh, I, I think there is uh, the, the the fact that uh, the the deputy president is saying that he's going to clear his name it does it does put pressure on everybody else uh, who, whose name is questioned on the list, that if uh, the deputy president can say he wants to clear his name, then everybody else uh, would uh, probably be uh, following suit. And the other thing that it does, is because it does uh, basically uh, say that there is uh, the integrity uh, commission of the NC does have teeth, because uh, what has been circulating around us that, you know, there is an integrity commission, but it can just say, say things, but nobody has to do anything about that. So I, I think mm. it does uh, uh, sort of uh, say that the integrity commission does have it. But I, I think there is another part, too, sure. that, uh, you know, for, for, the, for, for the deputy president to come forward, he's basically... Uh, there is an element of preempting, you know, uh, the detractors, you know, because once he clears his name in the commission, then he's going to be available for whatever the president can appoint him for. Okay. Is it that simple, uh, Dr. Hoyane, as is highlighted by uh, Dr. Mjali, that this is an attempt of the ANC cleansing itself and trying to assimilate itself into a value system where they're trying to detach themselves from this history of corruption? Or could this actually signify the tensions that are within the ANC? And uh, this could also be alluding to uh, the history of factionalism. Yeah, I, I think the most critical thing here is about how Cyril Ramaphosa is going to approach these things. And quite clearly the issue of people who have been tainted with some issues, especially things like corruption, have got to be dealt with. And it is very, very important that actually focuses on that. Otherwise, it's going to be a big problem going into the future. 
And in terms of that particular issue around uh, that particular decision for that kind of cleansing to take place, what do you think his first move should be? Do you think it's based on the work of the Integrity Committee or it also extends to the area of his uh, cabinet decision next week? Because that also seems to be a big talking point in the country right now, Dr. Hoyan. Yeah, quite clearly, the issue of the Integrity Committee should not be narrowly interpreted. I mean, if it does, we are talking about integrity of the party here. It cannot just, you know, deal with other issues and not deal with others. It must actually be widespread throughout the ANC and deal with all aspects of the issue of integrity of public officials which are going to represent the ANC and the people. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break. It's a good start to the program because uh, we're really unpacking some of uh, the dynamics in terms of what's coming out in terms of uh, the ruling party of uh, the country, uh, the African National Congress and the politics that also just came out in this week around the appointments of members of uh, parliament. Let's take a quick break and we'll expand on this theme and also we'll keep uh, looking at uh, the topic of uh, the issue of the expectations uh, for Sir Ramaphosa in his turn. Channel Africa, together with Radio 2000 and the South African Broadcasting Corporation, is celebrating Africa Day at the SABC in Auckland Park on the 24th of May 2019, between 900 and 1500 Central African time, when 15 African state embassies showcase the best in their country's culture through food, music and fashion. Tune into www.channelafrica.co.za or DSTV802 and be part of the celebration on Gateway to Africa's live broadcast from 11 till 12 Central African time. Channel Africa bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet on DSTV. And you can stream us online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Today we're looking at the politics of South Africa. And we're looking at uh, this uh, interesting subject matter whereby we've seen now the swearing in of uh, 400 members of parliament. It's actually still uh, taking place. And what's also interesting is around the issue of the composition of young members of parliament that are being now uh, going to be part of uh, the system within parliament. That's an encouraging element. But coming back to the subject matter, if you're just joining us now, we have Sanusha Naidu, a political analyst, joining us alongside Dr. Nkodlam Jali and Dr. Tabisu Hoyane. Sanusha, let me start this part of the conversation with you around mm-hmm. this mandate of Cyril Ramaphosa. With all these complications and uh, the ANC trying to detach itself from issues around corruption and and state capture, as we've alluded to. How important is uh, the cabinet announcement that we expect, hopefully next week, after he's been inaugurated this coming week? And what are your thoughts around that? How will that determine uh, his turn? Yeah, I think, you know, before the election, 
and when we looked at the, the way in which Cyril Ramaphosa served his interim period after President, uh, former President Zuma had resigned, I think you had a very clear sense of the kinds of issues that he wanted to pursue. So obviously, getting the economy right, stimulating the kind of investment that would actually address uh, job, job growth, uh, GDP growth, etc., dealing with the, with, 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 with the uh, governance crisis of the state in terms of the commissions of inquiry around uh, the various, uh, in terms of state-owned enterprises, looking at ESCOM, looking at the the, the, the biggest uh, pension fund, uh, the, the biggest sovereign wealth fund in the country, and in possibly the continent, which is the, the PIC, looking at what what, what were some of the the, the 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 governance questions of accountability, uh, transparency in terms of transactions, and whether or not the rules around those transactions were flouted. We're seeing all of that emerge in terms of what he had to do. So he inherited, really, a governance crisis that needed to be resolved at all levels. Now, obviously, in an interim period, you can't do anything, but he did set the agenda in terms of what the focus would be. Of course, the challenge for Ramaphosa is really the question of uh, how does he get the people he wants into the, into the kinds of ministries and, and portfolios that he feels are critical in driving forward the agenda of jobs. And he keeps mentioning this, the economy, resuscitating an economy that's, that's, that's at, that, that is at, it's very, very uh, uh, near its end in terms of sort of life support, if you want to call it that. And, and seriously, listening to what people are saying, bearing in mind that the ANC uh, in some way kind of, you know, saw the writing on the wall in terms of what happens to the integrity of a party when people lose confidence and lose, uh, what you call, this traction and trust with a party. So that in itself is very important. Now, the challenge for him is that it's not a complete... What we are seeing now is we are seeing certain individuals who are either standing up and saying, we, either we're going to be, we have resigned, uh, or we're not going to be sworn in today. Now, this for me is very interesting because it comes back to the last point that uh, my colleague from UNISA made regarding looking at the integrity commission, but just the integrity as a, as a, as a broad issue in terms of revitalizing the trust deficit that has been lost in the party in terms of how the party has been conceptualized and seen and the factions, etc., that have played out. Now, he has to think about these things because... Remember, it's a, you know, in terms of the NEC, it's an NEC decision. It's not the president's prerogative to make that decision. But something that Zizi Kodwa said this morning outside the parliamentary precinct about we will elect the president in terms of the National Assembly, but after this, it is his prerogative to appoint the deputy president and the cabinet. Now, that, that statement in, in, in terms of that seems to suggest that something may be shifting in the party, Something is happening. Even uh, Ms. Batabili Jamini came out over the weekend saying that the Women's ANC, uh, Women's League will support and throw their weight um, in, even for a second term for Ramaphosa. Now, these seems to be indications that either something is happening, either that he's getting the mandate for the kind of cabinet he needs to appoint, mm-hmm. the kinds of people he needs to appoint in the positions, but also bearing in mind that there may be a kind of a, a, a reflection, but not necessarily giving him a complete mandate. So mm. what we're witnessing now is also if you take the statement that the deputy president of the party will not be sworn in at this time. At this time, what does it say? Sure. It kind of leaves it open yeah. and tries to suggest to me 
that maybe when there's a that, that, that come 2022 or come in the next two years, 2021, or even when another meeting is held, there could be an attempt of a reshuffle. Sure, so okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit worried about that. Mm. And I just saw now that the ANC has issued a statement. We need to verify it. But Nambula Mlokanyane has also been withdrawn. Okay. Dr. Charlie, let me bring it to you. What are your thoughts around the leadership uh, permeations? Because that's very interesting, especially during the elections. You kind of saw uh, some conversations around uh, the, the, the victory of the ANC. Even during the ballot counting, there was already that contestation happening where we saw Ace Mahashule's uh, voice coming out saying, hey, this win is not only because of Cyril Ramaphosa, but because of the collective under uh, Cyril Ramaphosa's leadership. Does that not actually show that this mandate is also a conditional uh, to also uh, the NEC's instruction? I, I think now that the elections have passed, I, I think the, in terms of the sections, there isn't, they don't have the same power as they had okay. before the, uh, the election. So I, I think uh, most of the sections are going to at least try to work with the uh, the, the president until uh, until the next uh, local elections. I, I think the biggest threat was before the election that mm. if anybody would have left before the elections, then that would have caused a, a, a big damage to the party. So I, I, I think it, that's the reason that you see a lot of people sort of are trying to at least show that they are on the same uh, uh, on, on the same boat uh, with uh, with the, the president. Does this show a different trajectory of uh, where the African National Congress could go? Is it because they're seeing pressures on the losses in Parliament and seems like they need to kind of reinvent themselves or re- reinvent the wheel? I, I, I think there is that. You, you remember that there's, a, there, there's, there's been a lot of voices, especially from the ANC elders, you know, about uh, about what is going wrong in the party. So I think there is that, but I think there is also an element of retreating from from some of the factions that, you know, they have to retreat now. And, and uh, basically people do want to uh, have a chance to be, uh, you know, to, to be offered the, the position by the, by the president. So I, I think there are a lot of things at the stake and, you know, uh, part of, of that being that, you know, uh, sections are retreating. It, it doesn't mean that they are dead. They are going to uh, show their face. Uh, in terms of uh, what the president is going to be doing in the near future, you are going to start then see the section start, you know, depending on how, you know, he says, you'll start, you'll, you'll start seeing the sections, uh, you know, coming back to life. Mm. Dr. Hoyane, what are your thoughts, especially around uh, this mandate that Sir Ramaphosa is positioning himself for? I mean, uh, Sanusha was highlighting issues around the fact that he wants to create jobs. There's also the big question around uh, the land issue in the country. And I know right now the politics of the African National Congress, as we've been elaborating on, are really based on dealing with the issue of corruption and uh, issues surrounding state capture. Yeah, I, I think we can look at the issue in two ways. And ironically, I think his biggest problem is still within the ANC and not outside. Because if you think about it quite carefully, what has happened with this election result is that the 
uh, the DNC has regressed. And indeed, we see the party he still has uh, holding on to power quite tenuously. And what really worries me is that, you know, we shouldn't exaggerate the ability of Ramaphosa to actually deal with this thing decisively, you know, in a very uh, quick manner. Mm. For example, there are many people who are still going to be actually in that parliament and that group of people who are opposed to him, like they are actually saying now in the next, you know, some kind of meetings, they might well challenge his power and so on. I think he has a very, very big well, I'm losing you there, Dr. Yan. But I just wanted to just get your elaboration on that particular point in terms of that particular issue, especially the fact that there is that talk that saying that there are people that might want to actually remove him from the seat of presidency. How do you think he can navigate that? Because that would depend on a numbers gain uh, within uh, the, the ANC, Dr. Hoyani. Well, I think we've lost him there. But let me take that back to you, um, Dr. Mjali. What are your thoughts on that issue around the fact that there has been talks? I know even Julius Malema uh, of the EFF, the Economic Freedom Fighters, was talking about that, the fact that there's a plan to actually remove Cyril Ramaphosa as president of the African National Congress. I, I don't think that the era of factionalism is completely over, as you've alluded to, and I think that's what um, Dr. Hoyane was actually uh, stating there. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I don't think uh, the, the era of factionalism is over, but I, I think that people take strategic positions, you, you know, and I was saying that uh, it looked like some of them are retreating. But I, I think in terms of how long he is going to survive, it's going to depend on how he fares on the things that are on his agenda, especially with the economic growth and, uh, and jobs. So if he is able to make a dent, you know, uh, in, that, in, 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 in that effort in, the, in, the, in this coming year, for example, if there's a little dent, then, you know, the opponents are going to be weakened. But if he's not able to deliver on that, then the opponents are going to be empowered. He is in a very uh, precarious position. You know, uh, Kosatu is there with him, but they have a lot of question marks. There is a new uh, federation uh, of trade unions, which is totally opposed to him. So he is in, in, a, in a very, very, uh, very difficult position. But I, I think... His success, his tenure is going to depend on how he says primarily on job creation and economic growth. That's a tough one, isn't it, Sanusha? Because uh, the job question in South Africa is a complex one. And I don't know if one individual um, can actually turn that around. Um, are we not putting him in a corner deliberately here uh, from a political kind of Game of Thrones scenario? <laughs> yeah, just considering the games of Thrones have finished, right? <laughs> so it seems like they just took the, 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 the last season and the last episode of the last season out of the bag there this morning with all these rolls of sure. But I mean, I, I think you're right. I think it's not about, I mean, obviously he's the president and people say, well, you know, Ramaphosa didn't create the jobs. 
So people kind of look for one particular individual and he's the head of the state, so obviously it is responsibility in the way that people accrue that responsibility. But here's the thing, he has to make sure that he gets the right people in the... It's, it's a collective effort is what I'm saying. And so the, the challenge for him is not just about... Uh, you know, creating the jobs. It's about the collective effort, but also he has to deal, which we never touched on, by the way, Benjamin, and that is the question of streamlining the cabinet. Now, that in itself is also the other big, a big factor in terms of which ministries will be amalgamated or incorporated, which official, which which um, uh, ministers will not come back. We know that Rob Davies is not coming back, but also bearing in mind that the president has the, has the uh, prerogative of appointing two people outside from the the, the the cabinet and as in a ministerial post outside the, his his uh, cork, uh, his caucus. So I think there's a challenge here for him that it has to be a collective effort. Right now he has to make sure that he should deal with the ESCOM debt. He's got to make sure that these tariffs etc are, are are controlled. He's got unemployment that is sitting in terms of the last data that has come out from Stats SA at all at, at the highest in, in 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 South Africa in the last decade or 25 or, or the last two decades at over 27%. Um, and of course, he, he, has, he has to deal with young people as the biggest factor in terms of youth unemployment. Now, where does he create those jobs? It's not going to be happening with big industries coming in because you've got to have the skill set. You've got to make sure the universities are all in tune. There's a, there's a collectiveness here that you've got to be able to get people into the workplace, into places where they get experience. So the real investment is not in the financial sector where what the credit ratings agencies say to us, because yes, they've been saying we, 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 we're sitting at, 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 the, at junk, so to speak, in terms of status, and that makes borrowing on international capital markets that much more expensive. But the real challenge is for me is to get the SME sector start to, starting to flow, is to get mm. the people who are able to become productive. You look at China, you look at India, you look at the USA, Yes, the big companies do it, your apples, etc. But where does Apple go? It looks for cheap labor, it goes to China. With the Chinese uh, trade war with the U.S. right now, it's looking for another alternative manufacturing hub for cheap labor. So the challenge right now is what you were saying at, 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 at that meeting with the investors in Cape Town last week where uh, Goldman Sachs and others kind of said, yeah, we throw our weight with you, we endorse you, etc. But the challenge for him is to get that small, medium business sure. ministry to work because mm. that's where the real jobs are going to be created. So the, 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 that's the one point. The second point is that if he doesn't make, his mandate is really a fragile mandate at the moment, right? And I want to come back to the point that my colleague from UNISA was making about how these things may shift. He may not, he may have a mandate. He may be slightly having a mandate in the NEC, but these things have all become fragile. They've become contested. And what, what scares me about the situation is that it, it is basically Deputy President of, the, of, of um, Mabuza of the party who requested that he won't be sworn mm. in. So that there's, an open, there's an openness here that suggests at some point he may want to become back, come back into the cabinet. Mm. What's going to happen then? So there's also the 50-50 issue around gender parity. Maybe you're going to see a, uh, we're going to see a woman pre uh, deputy president. The question is who. But right now, I think Ramaphosa is probably sitting on an interesting balance. Into I would like to think that he has the mandate, but something in me says it's an ambivalent mandate.
Okay, what are your thoughts there, um, uh, Dr. Amchali, on that particular issue? Because I think um, um, Sanusha is highlighting on something very interesting there, especially around the, the mandate control. Yes, he is. In, in the, he has to. He has to balance the various uh, factions and the various interests within the within the ANC itself, including you know that uh, you know the factions might be using uh, in, in gender, for example, came up as one of the things when the, uh, the there was a selection of the premiers and. You know, uh, the uh, faction that is not dominant now was the one that was saying that, you know, since we don't have, uh, uh, where you don't have uh, male uh, premiers, then you have to have uh, uh, 60% of the executive being uh, female. So he has to, he doesn't have a, a clear mandate, you know. He has to be constantly negotiating with these uh, different uh, factions as uh, time proceeds. I do agree with that. Okay, let me take a quick break and then I'm going to come back to you as we wrap up the conversation in terms of your final sentiments on uh, the expectations, especially not just from within the ANC, because I think we've been dominating with that particular thing, but from an ordinary person's viewpoint sitting outside of uh, the political game. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. Don't miss out the 3rd Annual Africa Shared Value Summit taking place from the 23rd to the 24th of May 2019 in Nairobi, Kenya. Thought leaders and business changemakers from across Africa will share insights and case studies showing how shared value can transform your business and create the Africa we want. Book your ticket at africasharedvaluesummit.com today. Channel Africa is a proud partner of Africa Shared Value Summit and will broadcast live from the summit. Make sure you don't miss out on the broadcast on the 23rd and the 24th of May 2019. Log on to www.channelafrica.co.za or tune in to DSTV Channel 802 to be part of the conversation. Channel Africa, African Perspective. Channel Africa, we are the SABC's external service into sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you for joining us on the frequency on DSTV. We're on channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And remember, you can find us online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, let me wrap up the conversation with you, uh, Sanusha and uh, Dr. Mchali. Let me start with you, Dr. Mchali, this time around. Um, there's a mandate also from the people, and I think that's the one that's most important. What do you think that one is? Because we've seen the numbers shrinking in Parliament for um, the ANC. Um, how important is that mandate from a people-centric viewpoint, uh, uh, Dr. Mchali? Well, I, I think from... Well, and you have to look that into in the context of the next uh, local elections. The uh, one of the things that I think is going to be uh, guiding him in the selection of the of the cabinet is that he does need to address the problem with service delivery. You know, there were service delivery protests during on the election day, so that I think that's one of the of the things that he has to. Uh, try to address with this team. And I think also the, the job issue. 
So those things, when they are addressed, even in an, a small quantity, you know, they they might change the uh, people's perception of the party. And I think it's important for them as they are going towards uh, the local elections in 2021. Okay, and what are your thoughts there, Sanusha? While um, Dr. Mchali is speaking, I'm reading the story that mm-hmm. confirms what you were saying, Sanusha, saying that Nomvula Mokonyani not going to Parliament due to uh, family responsibilities. That's an interesting <laughs> one. What do you think of that before you answer this uh, question on uh, the people's expectations? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we kind of saw, the, like, for example, we kind of saw Mokonyani, we see Jamini, uh, um but to be as, as people who were critical for the election uh, and, and, and the constituencies within the party, uh, there were a lot of there were a lot of of, of, of backlash and and, and um, uh, what you call this responses to Ramaphosa last year when he did not remove these two individuals from his cabinet, um, and now we see them we see a, a different vo- a different response by Batabili in terms of the Women's League and how to support and, and the support that she wants to, that she talks about uh, in terms of the of Ramaphosa. And then, of course, we, we, there was questions raised when Makonyane's name came up as the chair of chairs in Parliament. Some people saying it's not, a, it's not a big responsibility. Others are saying, well, it does talk about that relationship in terms of oversight and, 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 and looking at the, at the, at the work of, uh, of, of the committees and the portfolios and... and that kind of oversight between legislature and executive. But I think what's very interesting for me is what perhaps people kind of came out at the beginning of Nazarek, after Nazarek rather, and said, did Ramaphosa have a more, uh, was he able to have a mandate and perhaps a influential space in the NEC? Now, the, 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 the messaging that seems to be coming out, listening to Zizi Kodwa, listening to some of the the, uh, the, the, the the statements coming out, etc., and even the position taken by David Mabuza around mm. requesting not to be sworn in today because he wants to clear his name on sure. the Integrity Commission report. It seems to suggest that, for me, and, and uh, the, the problem is that we're so steeped in this in South Africa, is it difficult to actually say whether Ramaphosa has the mandate and he's now moving forward, or this whole thing is, is about some kind of of, of, of trade-offs that have been made that perhaps could come come down the line if he doesn't deliver on certain of the issues that my colleague has mentioned in terms of growth, service delivery, job creation, mm. and, and dealing with factions in the party. Sure. Uh, some people would like to say that this is a slow burn, that mm. perhaps you just don't come in and start cleaning house immediately. But the challenge right now is what does this mean for these individuals who have been really die-hard factionalists in the party, um, have buffered the previous administration in so many ways. Now, what does this mean going forward? With Makunyane, does this mean that she will now also have to deal with some of the internal disciplinary action of the party? I'm not talking about the state. I'm not talking about the implications mm. of her in Bosasa under the Zander Commission. Let's leave that aside for the moment. But the internal disciplinary processes that the party has, what does it go? If you can, if, if Ramaphosa is able to show that, is he able to actually? Uh, if there's some kind of way in which the NEC is able to take decisions, because let's be honest, these people have only decided not to be sworn in in Parliament. They still remain on the NEC of sure, the party. Sure, sure.
And or, so, in going forward, yeah. it becomes an even more complicated, uh, 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 what you call it, situation in terms of whether or not the party would be able to do what it's okay. supposed to do in terms of clean house, sure. restore integrity and the trust within what the people want. All right, we've run out of time, but thank you for that conclusion. That was uh, Sanusha Naidu, political analyst at the Institute for Global Dialogue. Thank you for joining us once again, Sanusha. You always uh, give uh, very interesting insights into some of the narratives in our politics in the country and also internationally and continentally. Thank you as well to Dr. Kondlom Chali, who's quickly becoming our friend here on African Dialogue. He's the uh, analyst from the politics department at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. And earlier on, we're speaking to Dr. Tabisi Hoyane, who is joining us from UNISA as well. Thank you all for giving us your time. Pleasure. Thank you.